0: Hello, hello. Welcome to The Hive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. I cannot believe that I am finally releasing a new, excuse me, episode. I just had a hiccup. It's been almost four months since I've aired a new episode, so it feels good to be back. I am sitting here just recording this intro. Um, The episode that I'm going to, that you're going to hear today, this episode, I recorded a few months ago, so... I think I recorded it um, maybe in February or March I think it was actually the second week of March so it has been just sitting in my computer waiting for me to edit it and then to share it with you guys Um, as many of you probably know I was I've been a little MIA because I was in finals with school I was finishing my first year at columbia i'm getting a master's in social work and then i also got married so those two things just took up most of my mental energy and brain space and it was really hard to find time to work on the podcast but now i have the summer so i am incredibly excited to be back and to be connecting with all of you again it feels like it's been forever and i really miss it um so I have this episode today and then, oh, actually, I'm going to be away all pretty much all of June. So there'll be another little pause in the schedule for June. But I have to say I will be back um, in New York, back home for July and August. And I have pretty much my only focus is really going to be myself and the podcast. So that is something I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to have eight weeks to just like really work on creating new episodes and content and being really present here, which I feel like I haven't been able to do in months. Honestly, I feel like a year because with school and whatnot, I was really distracted. So I'm really excited to have this time, which I think will be a super special period of time to just take a, take it easy a little bit, work on the podcast and really come back to, to the things that make me very happy. But with that said, I hope everyone has been doing well. I know it's been some time. And what else did I want to say? I feel like I had a few things to share with you guys. Well this episode is super interesting. It is with a pelvic pain warrior. Her name is Naoma and she shares her story with pelvic pain and all of the different healing modalities that she used both eastern and western. She is also a muslim woman so Having her share her story through that lens is really, was really interesting and also really important that, you know, I brought her on the podcast to have different perspectives and people from different backgrounds and cultures and religions share their experience with pelvic pain. So I hope that this episode resonates with some of you who, you know, who who are listening. And I hope that you guys really find this interesting and if there's anyone else that you want to hear from this summer please let me know you can always email me at hannah h-a-n-n-a-h at Vhive.com or you can send me a message on instagram whatever however you prefer um but yeah i really want to hear from all of you and i just hope everyone has been surviving this period of time okay i feel like every week there's more terrible news and tragedies going on in the world and it is truly difficult to be a human being in 2022 and 2021 and 2020. It feels sometimes like things just don't get easier and things aren't getting better in this world but I also think that that can serve as a reminder for all of us to just keep showing up for ourselves and for our friends and families and the people that we love. I don't think that like this is an excuse for us to just also be dark like go dark I feel like we really need to or at least try to just stay light to stay in the light and to just be a source of positivity and to just keep spreading love and happiness and good energy and I know sometimes that's really hard to do I really like I've been there and I know that Purely and firsthand but I think it's just another reminder like we need to keep pushing forward and we need to keep Truly trying to live our best life and just be a source of encouragement and motivation and love and light for Ourselves and for everyone that we surround because That's the only thing that we can really do in such a dark time I feel so I hope that also resonates with whoever is listening right now and then one other thing I also want to share which truly I've been a little hesitant to share but I feel like my number one priority is to always be open and honest with all of you and so that is what I'm going to do but for those who have listened to the beehive for a while I'm sure you've heard me Talk about good clean love and their products and how much I love them and use them and recommend them and the discount code that I have And i've really been promoting good clean loves products since almost I think day one of this podcast I use them. I love them and I genuinely wanted to share them because they have worked really well for me I have to say i'm a little disappointed by good clean love because I don't promote i don't get that's not like a paid advertisement i don't get paid to share their products i get an affiliate i have an affiliate link so i get commission so if someone places a 20 dollars order i get i think like 10 percent commission so that's two dollars um it's really not a lot and it's not like people are placing orders every single day so truthfully it's hardly any uh, monetary value i really just do it to help and I'm disappointed in Good Clean Love because they haven't paid me my affiliate payments since September of 2021 which is crazy and insane and you know I'm not like I really don't believe in cancel culture that's not I'm not trying to like share this so that everyone starts to hate Good Clean Love and never uses their products like truly no I still like their products and whatever issues their company is having like i hope that they figure them out but i'm more just saying this because if anyone continues to use a discount code my discount code It's not benefiting me at all, Um, but if you get 20% off, great. And I am a little bit disappointed in this company because, I mean, I am very disappointed actually, because I do spend time to create those little segments and to share my code and to share my review on the products and to not be paid for almost close to a year is really disappointing. Um, And I obviously have spent so much time sharing that product with you I think they're in almost every episode and yes there was no contract like it was not I was doing that for free only because I wanted to just share a product that I liked so again like it's not um, it's really not the end of the world but there is a system where I am an affiliate partner and they you know it it keeps track of all the payments that are made where people use my code and those payments are owed to me and I haven't received them so I'm trying to work it out with them truthfully they're not responding to me it's a little bit frustrating um, at the end of the day it's not that much money and it's not about the money but it's more just about the principal and paying people for their work so anyways with that said the point of all of this is to just tell you how I feel about that one company and to also ask if there are any other products that you guys love please share them with me because now I am interested in expanding my product horizon of feminine care products so whether it's wipes or washes or lubes or whatever it is um I I don't I never really use their lube but I do use their body wash which I really like and their wipes but if there are any other products that you guys have used and loved and think that I should try out and share on here please send um, send them my way again email Instagram whatever you want I would love to hear I want to learn about some new products I'm going to do some of my own research but of course I wanted to excuse me ask all of you okay so with that said I hope everyone enjoyed this episode again I'm excited to share it a big thank you to Naomi for coming on the V-Hive and being very open and vulnerable about sharing her story. It means a lot to me, and I know that there are going to be so many other women who her story resonates with. So thank you, thank you. Very grateful. Again, I'm grateful for all of you guys who are still here listening, even after a little bit of a break on the podcast. I it, I am so honored and just so I have so much gratitude for every single listener because I was truly unsure whether if I took this long of a break with the podcast, if people would still want to hear from me. But I was so shocked to see that it just kind of felt like things never changed, which is amazing and really shocked me and means the world so i'm glad that this podcast has had an impact on many of you and all i can say is thank you for listening and supporting and for finding this content helpful it gives me a lot of purpose and passion and motivates me to want to keep on sharing episodes and producing more episodes so thank you thank you enjoy the episode and i will See you next time. Today, I am here with Naoma. She is a 24-year-old nursing student. She found the podcast and reached out to me, sharing a little bit about herself and her story and really her struggle to find a diagnosis that was made even harder due to her religious background as a Muslim woman and being largely discriminated against by OBGYNs and other specialists in the pelvic pain and sexual health space. So there was a lot of obstacles that really made her healing journey and diagnosis journey a challenge. But she ultimately is now, last time we spoke, I mean, I, I need to hear more about your story, but. From from what I know, and I don't know much because we haven't spoken much, but you're 80% better, which is amazing. And you're going to share a lot more about your story today. So thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm happy to be here for sure. Yeah.
0: And thank you for reaching out. I'm always like so excited when people reach out to me and... You know, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording, but because I'm in in school, I'm only doing one episode a month, so I really, like, am slow to check my emails these days and slow to schedule podcasts, but when you shared your story with me, and again, it was just, it wasn't a lot, it was just a short paragraph on Instagram, but I just was like, this is such an important topic because I haven't had really anyone, maybe, I don't know, maybe one or two people, but not many people who, um had, you know, their own experience with pretty severe pelvic pain and who were also a religious minority and, like, kind of what those two forces created in in like exacerbating the struggle obviously having pelvic pain it's hard enough finding a diagnosis and then also being of a cultural minority makes it even harder so i think that this is just an important topic and i'm glad that you are so open and willing to talk more about it so i'm grateful to have you here and i guess the first question that i have for you is Just tell everyone listening a little bit more about who you are, your story, and the most, I guess, important things that you want to start off by sharing.
1: Yeah, so um, my name's Mioma. I'm 24. I'm currently um, a master's in nursing student at Rush University in Chicago. So um, I guess how this all started, I honestly didn't really know anything about pelvic pain or anything about that area down there um to be quite honest until i got married um and that was in march of 2020 literally um it was my senior year of college it was about um the weekend we actually did the like marriage like ceremony was um like uh, also the week where like within a few days of um, my university shut down and so I actually moved in with my husband a lot earlier than expected so there was a lot of things that were a bit more surprising um we moved to Michigan I moved in with him and of course then you're you have to get over that challenge of being intimate for the first for me it was like the first time um in my background I you know wanted to wait till marriage and so that's what I did um and so, yeah, there's a lot of, there was a lot of things I didn't really know and understand. And for me, initially, sex was painful, um, but I thought that was what it was supposed to be. And it, things got better over time. But I initially got a UTI pretty soon after getting married. That was pretty bad. And we were, you know, in the midst of a pandemic. We didn't know where to go to get. Um, we didn't go know where there was a doctor nearby because it was a new town for both of us. Um, so it was kind of hard. And unfor- like, um, not not unfortunately, fortunately it got better um, and things were okay, but it just kind of that UTI feeling would occasionally just come back. And even though the first one was a true UTI, um, there was a culture that, that said there was bacteria growing and everything like that, um, the ones following that were not, and they, you know, they they were like my urine was clean but I would have all the symptoms of a UTI however the doctors um at the time I was just going to an urgent care because it would only happen occasionally they'd be like hey just take the antibiotic you know maybe maybe you got something in there or something like that and then you know you'll feel better and I just believed them but the problems just kept reoccurring and it was always after being intimate um, and so then the problem just actually got worse when we moved back to Chicago. I started school. And then, one, like, there was just so much stress. And one day, I will, you know, we had been intimate. The next day, I wake up and I have the worst burning ever. I was like, you know what? This is another UTI. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening again. And I, I went to the doctor and um, they gave me antibiotics again. And it ended up just completely making me super sick because I had been on so many antibiotics. My GI tract was like shot. <laughs> I um, had t- tons of tons of actually constipation, not diarrhea, from the antibiotic, and um, it made it actually made the pelvic pain, pain the pelvic pain worse, mm-hmm. which I, I later learned why um, it was that. All the constipation was actually pressed, putting pressure on my pelvic floor, my pudendal nerve, and that was leading to more pain. But um, basically, what happened there was I then just kept going to my OB/GYN at the time, and I was like, "Hey, I'm having such bad pain," and I took these antibiotics. They did nothing, yeah. and um, she was like, "Well, your urine's clean. Uh, maybe it's BV." And so then she gave me antibiotics for BV. Oh and that didn't work so it was just like this trail of antibiotics and i kept getting sicker from them um to the point where i was i couldn't even really function in school and i i went back to the doctor and i was like this isn't working i was i was pretty distressed um because i wasn't sleeping with the pain um it just felt like a somebody was literally stabbing me in the urethra like constantly um and i couldn't pee i i couldn't use the restroom or, or pass like a past stool or anything and i um then that's when they they started really getting like well people from your culture tend to have pelvic pain people from you or like you know uh people from your culture they tend to have kids so maybe when you have kids we'll all go get better you know mm, what i mean yeah so it's like things like that that kept getting very um odd and then I saw another OB gyn because I was like this isn't working. I get a second opinion. And um, then she had was pretty much like from the moment I walked in that door or the moment she did, I'm sorry, she was certain that it was my husband that was forcing me or something like that oh despite me saying it wasn't that was not the case. And when I actually looked at my medical records, when I was trying to get them to Northwestern, I saw her notes and they were that's what she was literally saying um, you know this was yeah exactly that's how i felt i'm like are you serious and my my husband felt the same um that he was just really hurt and we didn't really know where to go so it just kind of kept getting really really messy and we were kind of being bounced from doctor to doctor without any real answers other than this is just in your head Um, until I went to Northwestern and that's when we kind of were able to get more
0: answers. Mm -hmm. Well, first, thank you for sharing that. I know it's, I mean, so many thoughts come up, but one, I can definitely relate to your story. I know so many people listening can also relate to your story. It's crazy how your story is so similar to so many other people's stories. And like, I'm sure even, I know that you have listened to a lot of previous episodes of this podcast, but like, I feel like, that's literally how almost everyone's story starts Yeah, with the
1: uti (laughs) yeah
0: with like a uti that doesn't go away or it doesn't feel like it goes away and then all of the antibiotics like i've spent years with the same stuff um but i mean yeah it's it's terrible and it's terrible that like this is that's how most doctors just treat like they don't know what to do which is just it makes no sense but Anyways, so what happened after you went to Northwestern and started getting some more answers?
1: Yeah, so I went there, and I was pretty honest with the, they have, like, a complex gynecology clinic. And I – eventually, I went to a doctor prior to going there, and they were – she was a bit more understanding, and she was proclaiming from the rooftops that the reason why I was having all these symptoms was I had, like, kind of candida glabrata or something like mm. that. Okay. So, and that was freaking me out because I was like, oh my gosh, that's not, that's resistant to like azole or fluconazole and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and that's why I, I went to Northwestern too, was I was like, nobody's giving me answers at the hospitals I was going to in the, like more of the suburban area. And, um, at the center for complex gynecology, and I think it's also called the center for sexual medicine. Mm-hmm. I was pretty open. I said, look, um, I've been, kind of dismissed by other doctors, um, being told I either have to have kids, being told it's either my husband's fault, or being told that this is just a common problem with people from my background. Um, And I'm actually European. Um, My family's European, (laughs) but I'm Muslim. And so I'm white. I'm very pale. And and so when they say things like that, um, and my family, we've grown up in the U.S. for uh, years, <laughs> it, and it's really odd to me, yeah. because I'm like, I, I consider myself American, but I'm an American Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what, I, I was just honest, I guess, at Northwestern, and they did a workup there, um, and she was a, I think it was Dr. Patel was her name, and she um, basically said, you know what, I don't think it's a yeast infection, and I was, like, mind blown, because I had been told all this time that it was either some sort of resistant uti or some sort of like mixture with bv and some resistant yeast infection now she's telling me no it's not infectious at all i think it's your nerve um because they ended up running an actual culture um that took a month to grow um and stuff like that nothing came back uh it was so she just she just explained that um everybody's biome is different and some Mm -hmm. tests are ridiculously sensitive and it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you have it just means that maybe at that time that's what was there in your biome but it wasn't causing the symptoms so what she found was it was my my nerve and so she ended up initially doing a nerve block with just lidocaine into my uh, dorsal clitoral nerve which was where I was having a lot of the pain localized Mm -hmm. Um, and that actually relieved the pain like, wow, and I, yeah, for the first time, I was able to like use the restroom. The thing is, it would flare. It would mm-hmm. always flare in times of stress. Usually, flare around my period when I would get cramps. Mm-hmm. If I was constipated, you bet it was flaring. Um, so it kind of became a kind of going back and forth with okay, how am I going to manage this? Um, she also gave me another injection the next week with like a corticosteroid, mm-hmm. which um actually reduced the inflammation. Like of the nerve and helped elongate the period of relief. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't had an injection since I want to say September. So it's been a few months. I have had flares of the pain. I'm not going to lie. And there's still things I struggle with uh, that, you know, I'd like to get better with. I still see a pelvic floor physical therapist and um, still have to go through that. Uh, Being intimate is still a challenge at times. um, But overall, I'm able to go to school. I had to take time off school before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was, I've been able to go back. I'm able to kind of live pretty normally. Yeah. Um, except, you know, we have this the occasion. I do get place of pain and times of stress mm-hmm. and, um, it's just comes to trying to manage my, my lifestyle because I, I didn't want to go through. They also gave me the option of doing like a pedundal nerve ablation procedure. And, um, to be honest, I, I didn't want to go through yeah, any no. more medical stuff at the end of the day. I was like, you know what? If, this, if the steroid shots work, I'm just going to do that when I need it. And um,
0: Don't do that.
1: Trying to manage <laughs> my life. I know. I've heard things about it. And, like, I read all these papers. And I'm like, I really don't know what I want to do right now. No. <laughs> I just, oh my gosh, I just don't, didn't don't. think it was worth it. Yeah. No, you because can't. I, the side effects are... Oh there's they're, they're always there. And um, there's always a chance that, like... Things won't ever really be the same in that case. And so I would rather.
0: You're going to get better life. without that. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's, I, and, and that's why you mentioned Nicole. Um, I remember in there, you, Nicole Sachs podcast. I mm-hmm. actually found her initially before I found this podcast. Oh, wow. And I was, yeah, I was listening to her. And I was like, you know what? This is crazy because when I am stressed, I do have more pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is a link. It doesn't totally. mean that something isn't not. There's always been... With pain, it's not only in the psyche, but it's also in the body. I think you have to treat both. I think, obviously, for me, getting those shots occasionally is really beneficial. Um, doing the pelvic floor physical therapy to treat the soma, the body, is necessary, I believe, in my case. However, there's, you do need to do stress management. Because you can do all those things, and you can have a flare because you were stressed. <laughs> and it's just not
0: so yeah i mean, that still mean that's still happens. like i feel like you know even if it's not pelvic pain like everyone gets i believe like gets body symptoms when they're stressed or anxious like yeah if it's a stomach i mean nicole obviously says this all the time but it's like anyone you know if they're stressed like they'll say they have a headache or they'll say like their stomach hurts or they have to go to the bathroom or they're tired like some symptom comes so why for yeah like women who have pelvic pain i I don't know i don't know that's just how we feel it but so i'm so glad that you found nicole's work and also i know that you were using the curable app both of which are amazing and i'm obviously a huge fan of nicole's work and i actually i was talking with her the other day and i need to schedule another time to get her on the podcast because we were chatting about that a while ago she's the best um her work is amazing but so tell me a little bit tell us everyone listening a little bit more about your experience with Nicole's work and the mind body stuff and curable and like what that journey looked like for you and I'm just I'm always so interested in hearing because yeah it's different for everyone and some people are really receptive to mind body from the beginning and some people think it's totally crazy and then because you know desperation really leads them to that being one of their only options left um yeah so yeah i'm always interested in hearing what different people's experiences with the mind body work is like
1: yeah so for me how i kind of came across it is actually based in islamic psychology or like psychology and psychiatry like uh clinic i believe it's also in california um but there's one in chicago in like or the chicagoland area called the khalil center um and that's like a resource i can send to you if anybody's interested but my therapist there actually mentioned oh maybe you should check out nicole Stack's cure for chronic pain podcast really? and i was like this is interesting <laughs> i didn't know this was a thing and i was listening to her podcast and i even all, even if it, even though it was about back pain, what resonated with me was it was something a it was it just suddenly happened to her right. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it felt the same way. Um, and then she she was I, I have I knew that there was stress that was occurring in my life around the time when the that pain because before it was just something where I would occasionally, occasionally after intimacy or something like that get this pain or get this UTI-like pain, and it would go away. Of course, I thought it was a UTI, but it it would go away. This one just kind of stuck around Mm -hmm. the the, the last time. And um, I guess when I saw her work and and saw that hers was also kind of being related to stress and all these things that were going on in her life i was like well i just started a i got married and during a pandemic that Mm -hmm. i didn't know was going to happen i moved a couple times i started a new master's program that was really intense for me um also still in the middle of a pandemic um uh yeah so it was just that's a lot uh, i was yeah there was a lot i mean marriage is hard to begin with marriage in a pandemic is harder so uh, yeah it's 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 it's, it was just a lot of life changes a lot of beautiful life changes in the sense that yeah like oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to close the door but um getting married and things like that is something beautiful Uh, but and uh starting a new program in school and, and working towards your goals that's something lovely as well like making yourself something the problem, though, in lives and how you deal with all that newness. And for me, I, I dealt with it with kind of not addressing the fact that I was getting overwhelmed, that I was scared about the pandemic, that I was feeling like I was drowning a lot of the times with a lot of new responsibilities. I could, I really do feel like I kept that in. And mm-hmm. then the moment when I, my body just couldn't take it anymore with having weekly exams for school, with, um, you know, having moved so many times and stuff like that uh it, it it just released all that you know uh, emotional uh pain and in, in, as into into i don't know into my pelvis I, yeah. I have really no other way to say it no but it,
0: it makes sense you're but, saying it yeah. very well
1: yeah so that that's what i felt and when i found that it was just green because i was like there's other people um who, who, who are dealing with this and found relief. But it gives you hope because I think there's a lot of the times when you're in this and you have, at that time, many doctors who, who don't seem to be listening to you because you turn to the medical community when you have pain. You want them to take it away a lot of the times, so, though. Sadly, they there's not a lot of OBGYNs, I found, that are really educated about anything beyond the typical vaginal infection. And birth.
0: Totally. <laughs> like, They're not. The most of things. them are not. Yeah. Is, and so. Makes no sense.
1: I know, exactly. I'm like, I, I go to an OBGYN also for my pelvic health. This is, it is this is a pelvic health issue. Having the yeah. neuralgia, having, um, I have high, also hypertonic pelvic floor, all these things should be something that are, you know, pretty. I, doctors should be more aware of it because it would have saved a lot of time. I'm not going to lie. a lot of stress if yeah. they would have said this is what it is. But, yeah, no, after finding her work and um, being able to, like, I, I did download the CureVilla app. I did find it helpful. I kind of, like, moved away from it after I found um, an Islamic meditation app, which I found, it, found um, helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Although I think I need to definitely make it a more regular practice that's my
0: issue with school and everything i know i gotta find time it's hard so i have a few more questions i want to ask about the mind body work like what the reason that i so okay so i i guess i have a few questions because i think it's as you said like i'm not opposed to the injections or the pt or any of that because i did a Mm -hmm. bunch of those things for myself as well and they really did help um who's to say that if I didn't do those things and I just did the mind body work would I have been just as well off maybe I don't know but it's it's like you can't go back in time and if it worked it worked like that's really all that matters um but so the reason I ask those because the more that I have immersed myself and just learned about the mind body work like it is so crazy and I just think it's so interesting because it's obviously becoming more popular but like it's not really the first line of treatment that anyone with chronic pain goes to unless you already know about yeah. it. Like,
1: um, And people get aggressive actually as well if you mention it. Like yeah. if you mention it in any groups on Facebook, they think you're like, crazy. Why are you even yeah.
0: yeah? Which is which yeah, it it's it's totally crazy. But so the question a few questions, but the first question I want to ask is Like when you first found out about or started learning about Nicole's work, like for everyone listening, what did you do? Like, did you buy her program? Did you do journal speak and meditation? Like how often or not often? What did the practice kind of look like for you? And then like in what timeline did you start to notice it was helping with the physical symptoms?
1: Yeah, so I think I did the journal speak first, but I was so caught up in how to do it right that it, it, it stressed me out. So then I just wrote a journal yeah, <laughs> of yeah. my, and, and kept it like like that. And I think that's how it's supposed to be, but I'm somebody who's a bit more perfectionistic. So when people, like I, I didn't know if it was supposed to be a certain way. So I just kind of purged on a sheet of paper everything that I was upset about, worried about, that I really hadn't had the time to express because actually before i had gotten married i regularly journaled mm-hmm. almost every day since the age of eight i have wow. like volumes of my life That's in crazy. my parents house i know it is crazy and so I, but i stopped during the pandemic um and i don't know why i don't know if it was just uh, in the time when i needed it the most here all these life changes the world is shutting down there's a lot of fear here's a new marriage there's a you know it's, it's overwhelming and i should have really taken the time or invested the time in myself and said, you know what, I'm going to just journal, like I used to. Um, I didn't, and I think getting back into that practice is what Nicole's work inspired me to do, um, because I I had cut that out. And I think writing, in and of itself, regardless of how you do it, is therapeutic, because Mm -hmm. there's so many things that you you bottle up inside you. And what happens, just a normal person, if they bottle something up inside them long enough, they're going to yell or act out of character and it's not because they're they're mad at you or something that you did it's honestly because they've been holding on to all this frustration and anger about something for far too long and like a volcano it they erupted and it it, it isn't anything bad on them it's just that's a normal human response the way to prevent that bill is by acknowledging those feelings beforehand and i think that's what journaling does Mm -hmm. um The other thing I did was I did read a bit of her book. I did watch a lot of her videos on YouTube. They were very helpful, and I religiously listened to that podcast because it kept, like, um, inspiring me, especially the ones about pelvic pain. It kept encouraging me that, okay, this isn't the end. Because there's moments, like I said, there's moments where you want to curl up in a ball in the corner and just fall because it's just, like, too much. Um, But, you know, those gave me hope that... There's other women that have dealt with this. There's other women who are living full lives. Maybe occasionally they have pain, you know, but what in, in life, there's always going to be pain
0: mm-hmm. somewhere, yeah. you know, there's
1: never going to be a quick fix.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. I mean, it makes me so happy to hear that her episodes gave you hope. And like, I mean, especially she has a decent amount of pelvic pain ones and she yeah. talks about it all the time. Yeah. You know I still listen to her podcast and when she's talking about just mind-body medicine and mind-body work like Mm -hmm. she uses pelvic pain as an example a lot which I just think is Mm -hmm. so great and as you said reassuring for women or men listening who have pelvic pain because you just it's one of those things where you really think like no one else has ever experienced this and it has so much shame attached to it yeah and so yeah so just that she's normalized that is incredible and also of course that's what i'm trying to do but you're right like hearing other people's stories is so helpful it's it's helpful for me it's always been helpful and i know it's helpful for really everyone because you feel like someone else has kind of gotten through it and if they can like you should be able to there's no reason why you or i or anyone else couldn't um There was something else I wanted to say, but I forgot. I just lost my train of thought. Oh. Okay, that happens to me. Um, Oh, but the question that I was going to ask you is, so you said that you, you know, you always kept a journal, which is cool. I never did, actually. But now, so I wanted to ask, because you said that you, when you're journaling, you're like writing, it sounded like you're writing on paper, but so have you heard her explain like why you know she recommends to type it which is so interesting to me. and get me. It, rid of it and get I know, rid of and it I'm
1: somebody who can't do that because i think well these are my ideas for the day and i have this thing where i personally yeah. do like looking back and seeing now now there are times when i will write something very quickly on a sheet of paper about something that's frustrating me yeah. or angry me or how i feel At the height of the moment, right? Uh And I will put it on a piece of paper and I will make sure it's thrown away. Now, if it's something though where I'm trying to get more detailed about my day, because I've had this habit of keeping my journals and I've enjoyed that yeah ability to say what was going on or reading through my journals and seeing how far I've come, come. Mm-hmm. through things. Um not only within this period of my life but also within other other periods of my life where I've had um you know ups and downs just as anybody would. You you can see that progress and you see this I don't know, you have something to really remember, yeah. your, no, your that's life, so
0: true. You know? That's actually, yeah, that's a really good point. And then that's really interesting because I feel like that also gives you hope that, like, well, you got through this, you got through that, and you can actually tangibly look back at it. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, that's cool. Thank you. And so yeah. the other question that I have is like, what, what was kind of a breaking point or did you have a breaking point, I should say, when you were doing her work or more like a turning point where you kind of started to realize, oh, this actually works. Like I feel better than I did a week ago or a month ago. I can't really even believe that this journaling and meditating stuff is actually relieving some of my symptoms.
1: I think things started to get better probably in October and which I know sounds crazy because this all mm-hmm. started in May of twenty twenty May or March of twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think it was March actually, twenty twenty one. And then um, it kind of extended. It's, it's it's still kind of going on. But um, when I started to a find the right doctor at Northwestern to help, um, be find uh, good support from um, you know having uh, like a like a. a, a, a what, a psychologist, I was going to mm-hmm. say psychiatrist, but psychologist, um, who kind of shared my same. Even though you don't need somebody who has the same religious background as you, um, what's beautiful about like my faith is in Islam. There's actually a, a really rich history of psychology and psychiatry and how it's warped into or tied into, I should say, um, the faith itself. And it's, it's really quite beautiful. And so I wanted something that kind of aligned with that. And um, I'm really, really fortunate to have, to be living in an area where they do have those options um, with having an Islamic uh, mental health counselor. So having that team helped me Realized that a I I wasn't going crazy that it was just um that it wasn't because I I got into this thing where I always kept thinking it was a UTI even Mm -hmm. after they diagnosed me I always kept thinking hey maybe that's why I'm having the pain again why why it flared up again but when I was able to to have a team of doctors to kind of sit with me and um explain or not a team of doctors but um you know, a good medical team to kind of encourage me to, to, to realize that isn't the case. It's just your nerve acting up again. You're going to get through this, (laughs) your stress. Let's recognize what stress you're having. Let's work on your thought patterns. That was kind of my turning point and, and doing the journaling in addition to that helped and having all that support from hearing other stories on the, on podcast was beyond helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is important, just even though this doesn't go really into mind body medicine, but just Uh, your relationships with the person you love, especially when you first get married, are very important. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because this is hard for, for everybody involved, seeking out a couples counselor for you both to go to, it was also, I believe, a really big turning point for my husband and I because he also had... A lot of things that uh, that hurt him it was a long struggle it still can be at times hard and um there was a islamic um couples counselor that was that we i was referred to and that has been a turning point as well because when you're able to to remove the stress or at least diminish it in your marriage um and and work out things it helps a lot with (laughs) your pain right just trying Mm -hmm. to reduce stress in general
0: That's so important. No, I'm so glad you shared that. And that was literally my next question for you, which was how did you work with your spouse to really get through this time and have, you know, have him support you and you support him because obviously it's hard for him as well. Um, so no, that's so important. And I think that that's like I think couples therapy is really something that's so stigmatized and like it's I don't yeah. you don't necessarily need to be like going through a divorce to or like be no, cheated on exactly. to see a counselor with your partner I think that like there's obviously so many other times where it could be extremely helpful so I'm yeah, really glad you shared yeah. that
1: and I'm not gonna lie um I <clears throat> I think what's sad is just at the beginning of this journey, my husband was really kind of pinned by doctors as the bad guy, and I feel bad about that. Um, Luckily, with the medical team I have now, that isn't the case. But over that time, even though he continues and continues to this day to be um one of the most supportive and caring individuals I could ever have asked for my life and I don't want to cry Mm -hmm. but um you know he he's always been there whenever I needed him and um I also have a little bit of anxiety Uh, sometimes it's it was made worse by everything that was going on and um he has always been there to to um I don't know ask me why i'm nervous to give me a hug when i mm-hmm. need it and i i honestly couldn't have asked for a, a better person to to god willing spend my life with yeah. but um at the end of the day though chronic pain within an individual and especially when it's pelvic pain it doesn't it does affect intimacy and it does make things harder and it does mean that as a newlywed couple it, it's a both a very difficult. It's a, just a difficult thing to navigate to begin with, and um, now you're we're adding that pelvic pain on there, and it, we, you know, it, it's just it's just a challenge, and then other things start coming up where you might miscommunicate, and you get frustrated with each other for absolutely no reason. You get mad at each other. You start saying things that make mm-hmm. no sense out of not a, out of spite for that person or frustration with that person, but just because you're frustrated with the situation, and so. Honestly, at the end of the day, if ever you have chronic pain, and especially if it's pelvic pain, seeing a couples counselor is probably, I think, the biggest, one of the biggest things that has been helpful, because it helps you and your spouse support each other through challenging times and learn the skills where if god forbid something else happens down the line that is gonna strain you in some way shape or form you have the tools because you say hey we dealt with this we dealt with something that was hard before we can do this again because we know how to do it it's it's like serious i encourage everybody listening to go Mm -hmm. to
0: couples therapy for anyone listening who is sitting here and they're like yeah maybe i need to do that what would be your recommendation in regards to getting there, like bringing it up sure. and having the conversation? Like, did you bring it up? Did he bring it up, bring it up? Um, how yeah. did you how did you come to the agreement that that couples therapy was necessary?
1: Yeah, so I think it was a harder thing to bring up because I was initially hesitant. Um, I was talking with my therapist, and she was encouraging me. Hey we do have islamic couples counselors that are or family therapy counselors and things like that that are good i know one (laughs) i can get you guys hooked up with one i'm like man i don't know um i had tried to see one prior to that to just see if i liked it and she was actually a sex therapist so i don't know if there was a difference in the the uh, the methodology but um she was also secular and i i just didn't personally think it worked for us um my husband did not feel comfortable with that mm-hmm. uh, because there are some things Islamically that um, are I, I think that are important to address and acknowledge um, in therapy,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and because we wanted somebody that just had the same values, not to say that people who are not Islamic.
0: <laughs> no, values, I I am very much in the train, be- you know yeah I'm very much in the belief that like you. It's more beneficial to see a therapist that has, sim- like, is from a similar background as you because they yeah. just understand you more. I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that.
1: Exactly, and my, my husband is is Arab, and so she, the therapist that we found or was re- we were referred to, is also Arab. So this was helpful because for him even, um, the idea of somebody actually having anxiety as a as a mental as something um, as a mental health struggle that they want to overcome. Or improve um that was something that was hard for him to to grasp initially and mm-hmm. the, and that's nothing wrong with that it's just you need to know and the the therapist that we saw she had had her own struggles growing up with um we continue to see her actually i think i said that in past tense but <laughs> we continue to see she had actually had her own struggles um growing up with uh anxiety and ocd and she was able to share that and then that was very helpful for him because he realized okay this isn't just something that occurs with certain people this is something that happens to everybody and this is something we have to 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 find a way to to beat and um just being able to have like somebody with the same values kind of guide us through more difficult and rocky conversations is um was beyond helpful Mm -hmm. because it really just strengthened our marriage and helped us uh, and helped us know, you know, as, as people who, who hadn't really been in relationships, um, prior to getting married, um, how to communicate with one another and navigate married life in a in a more effective and healthy way. <laughs> and there's times when you have these struggles and you're like, oh my god, what am I doing wrong as a wife? I'm failing. Like, you know. And, and I think a husband would feel the same way. Or, you know, and you need to be able to um, talk to somebody who can, I guess, sit down and look at both of you guys and be neutral, but also help you guys identify solutions. Um, to your, to your uh, communication struggles. I'm not gonna lie. A lot of, a lot of issues stem from miscommunication totally. or misunderstandings. Yeah. Um, being able to figure out how to fix that, um, or at least re- you know reduce it, it can, it can really be a lifesaver for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Completely. So, one more question I have for you that's super yeah. important is. And we've kind of, you've touched on this throughout, throughout the conversation, but I just want to, you know, reiterate and ask you again if there's anything that you didn't get to share. What were some of the main struggles you experienced in navigating all of these health issues as a Muslim woman?
1: I think it was mainly the beginning and just getting the diagnosis. So with the things I shared, I mean, I was kind of being told multiple times like I said, very specifically, people in your culture have these issues yeah. or um, people in your culture tend to get married young anyway. You'll have kids and it'll go away. Like it's um, things that kept repeating over and over again where you you felt now, you, you felt like you couldn't get help from anybody simply because of the way that you dress, simply because of the fact that you have a scarf on your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times doctors, I think, came in with the assumption that I was being ab- abused because g- going through a speculum exam in any way, shape or form was uh, a nightmare for me. Yeah. And I would be jumpy. I would be not jumpy, but I would like not want them to touch anything, especially around the clitoral area and so they would um make some pretty blanket statements about spousal abuse that i would have to be like no that's not happening and i'm somebody who gets stressed in doctor's offices i prefer to have somebody with me um simply because i i forget to ask questions and um i don't feel comfortable um and i didn't have usually my husband i haven't come because i'm like i just want somebody else there and obviously he couldn't because of the pandemic and um they they would, I would just kind of start crying, and then they that would just to them fuel the evidence that this was the case that it was spousal abuse. Oh my god, that's um,
0: terrible. And,
1: yeah, and so I, I, you know, it, um, just hearing those things over and over again just brought you brought me down, yeah. made me very frustrated. Um, I think it was harder. Even going into Northwestern, I'm glad that the the doctor she she gave me a thorough exam. But like, um, sometimes like I I was I, I initially was worried just walking in there. I was like, what if they think the same thing that all the other doctors at it was a one particular health system that did this. Um, I'm not going to say the name, but some particular health system. I was thinking that maybe they were all going to be the same, and I'm so grateful they weren't. Mm-hmm. But it it gave me. Because of my past experiences, it really limited me to want to go out and seek help. I think the other issue was lack of education about what my options were, because I didn't know that um, sex didn't have to be painful and to seek out help for that. I didn't really understand. um, For me, being intimate kind of was something I I had never touched a man. I had never kissed. I had never, you know, so this was all big steps, and it was really... Overwhelming and stuff to navigate, you know, intercourse. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know how, and I wish I had the skills. I wish I was taught them earlier on in my life. I um I just wish there was more resources available, so I knew when I was going to get married that this was what I should expect if this happened to me. You know, if I had issues with with intercourse and things like that. You know, go and see a doctor that you trust and things like that don't don't just suffer in silence yeah. about it because yeah. you don't have to
0: yeah the education component's so important it's, it's like, yeah it's something yeah.
1: that's not talked about um specifically i i would love uh if for example there's like a big islamic convention in chicago called mass it's huge um crazy i would love it if they would have uh, women's like they they have tons of inspiring talks they even had tons this year on mental health and they were lovely mm-hmm. um but they had um i wish they would have one just done on pelvic floor issues and um pain and and things like that with intercourse i know that sounds crazy no but it doesn't I think sound crazy to had, me <laughs> yeah i think if they had you know and just because you, we generally want to keep Men and women separate at times. So maybe just having it open for women so we all feel comfortable going there yeah. and just having like a pelvic floor PT talk about these issues and know that there are options. You can do pelvic floor PT. This is, and if you, for example, for us, like I was confused with the dilators. I was like, okay, if I. After sex for us, we have to take a shower. I was like, okay, if I use my dilators, do I have to still take a shower and things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish, and then I wish there was somebody there to to be able to answer those questions for um, for us because there's yeah. way too many women who are honestly having sexual pain issues and painful intercourse and hypertonic pelvic floor stuff within the muslim community that honestly just stay
0: silent and it's not good for you i would assume like being part of that community and having a better understanding than i do of how common the problem is and how like people don't need to be suffering that way makes it even harder to witness because you're just like all these people just can get better and you know you know what i mean
1: yeah, and I think, like, it's something where, I don't know, it, it doesn't, I think any community that's faith-based tends to struggle to yeah. open up. Yeah. I don't know specifically, but um, I I guess I think it's always a struggle knowing, um, I actually converted, so I grew up in a really Christian household. I converted my, my right when I got to college, right when I was free from my parents, I converted. Mm-hmm. But um, I grew up in a household that was Christian. My dad was a pastor. And they were the most loving and amazing parents I could have ever asked for. They were very open, in terms of interfaith stuff. We had people who are Jewish in our house, people who are Muslim. It was like a big happy family all the time. I loved it. I'm so grateful for my upbringing. But one thing we never talked about in my house, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure why, was growing up in sex. And yeah. I knew, um, I I knew that generally the values. Between Islam and and uh, Christianity are identical in the sense of like keeping your sons or like keeping your trying to refrain from having sex before marriage and things like that. You know, like the I, I, I that's what I was taught as a kid. I agreed with it, and then I became more interested in Islam in high school. Wanted to convert then, and I converted in college. Um, however, in everything in between, I had no education about. Um, and of course, even when I was about to get married, I didn't know anything, like mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. And luckily, my husband knew more, but he was equally <laughs> as unsure. I'm yeah. sure of it, as of the situation. And I think... Um, it's something that needs to be discussed in all faith communities everybody needs to be educated about it and i I, but i think particularly what i found in and talking to my friends who are muslim and things like that they mentioned things like oh my gosh like i've had pain or something like that and i'm like okay well why don't you go to pelvic floor there Mm. you know and i talk about it now because i I, but I felt embarrassed talking about it initially, and so, like, occasionally some people would say, oh, I, like, I have always have trouble with using the restroom, um, and I'm like, well, you should see a ther- pelvic board yeah. therapist, oh
0: but people just don't talk about it, and I that's know. The issue. I know. It's crazy, but thank you for sharing all of this. Like, it's <laughs> so interesting hearing from you and just different people all the time, because it's. I just find it like fascinating to, you know, learn how similar experiences affect different people, in their own ways, and um, how everyone like goes through their own process of healing, and you know the ties to their community and their partners in life, and it's just it takes like a lot of work to get to the place where you're at now, and I think that that's just amazing, and I'm I'm glad that like you're in a much better place and on that note what advice would you give to other people listening right now who you know either are of a re- religious minority or not it doesn't really matter but if you have any advice um, what would it be
1: I think at the end of the day it's um, you have to look for resources that are available within your community and what's cool is um, there's a lot of I'm sorry, am sorry. My phone is beeping.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I, I'm going to wait till it stops to talk because it's going to distract me. I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. Don't worry. I don't know why it's doing that. Okay. I'm sorry. Now it done. No but um, I, uh, the, the thing that I guess I would recommend for mm-hmm. people of religious minorities and specifically visible religious minorities that could easily have their... Um, life misconstrued or their problems misconstrued because of what they wear or or, and things like that i would say that at the end of the day there's going to be a bounty of resources within your religious community you do just have to look and find them Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that i know that sounds crazy i really didn't think anybody within the muslim community talked about it but i ended up finding um some YouTubers, um, one specifically was Amira Zaki, she has several videos on just education about sex in general, um, that's not only beneficial for Muslims, but for non-Muslims as well, and how she overcame vaginismus um, mm-hmm. and, and pelvic pain, um, and the, her videos are extremely helpful, I, I actually gave them to have my husband watch some of them, just because that, that educated him, um, there's another one for Muslims. I know that's called the Sexual Health for Muslims. Uh, I forgot the name of the lady, but if you look for it on Instagram, she does have uh, a, like a really active Instagram where she gives. Um, like basic advice about like sexual education, intercourse, um, pain with specs for both Muslim men and women. Um, my husband actually looks at that as well because he found, finds like stuff beneficial that he didn't know about. Um, and those are, those are kind of my two, two top resources in terms of like from a Muslim standpoint. The other thing is like reaching out and finding a counselor Within your faith community, if your faith plays a really pivotal or I mean a very integral role in your life, reaching out to them, um, making sure that they're educated about the issue. I know particularly in the Chicagoland area and in California, the Khalil Center is really, 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 really active, um, and they have a lot of uh support in terms of therapists, in terms of psychiatrists, and um. They, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all Islamic based and they're all super helpful about these types of issues. So definitely see a therapist, definitely ask them for a referral when you see them for a referral to a family, a family counselor or marriage counselor to help you and your spouse kind of get through it as well. Um, so I, I guess that's my main advice look for information within your community because that's what you're going to resonate with yeah. I think a lot of secular information can be beneficial I mean I listen to the Nicole Sacks podcast I listen to this podcast and things like that that aren't necessarily faith based at all They're, but um, having information that is faith based makes you feel A, less alone <laughs> and it, it's just it's something that resonates with you more connects with you more because it's connecting with you not only on an intellectual level it's knowledge that you need but it's connecting with you on a spiritual level um and I, that's that's my main advice i
0: guess thank you so much for sharing all of those resources i will link them in the show notes for everyone so that they can easily access them and if they if people want to contact you if that's okay with you how can they do so
1: yeah see um i didn't know if like you can always contact me by email um it's my it's like K L A I S N E R at gmail.com i check it pretty regularly i also have an instagram it's just my personal instagram i you know i i'm trying to start more of a blog about like faith and um dealing with chronic pain but that's still in the works so um, that's awesome yeah I'll, I'll let you know when that drops but um, currently I just have my normal Instagram and I, the information when that would be pre- like published would be on there so my um, I could, I'll could, i give you that yeah, as well it's and I'll link at, everything Yeah, it's just at Claire Naoma um, that's my IG account so
0: cool well thank you so much for just sharing all of this information and for being so open and vulnerable I know it's hard but i think that these stories really help so many people as you know and i know so i'm just very appreciative of you sharing all that you did and um what else i can't wait for everyone to hear this and again i will link all of the resources and your information in the show notes so if anyone wants to reach out to you they can do so and thank you
1: you're welcome thank you so much for having me on i really uh, appreciate it Mm -hmm.